Hi. Hello. Welcome to another week of our quarantine episodes. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have we do have some stuff to talk about, and then I guess we're going to talk about trial by media at the end of the episode. How are you? I'm good. I'm very actually. I'm very excited today because I realized that I can record these from my bed. <laughs> Did you not know that before? Well, I was like, I can't be in my bed because we're video chatting, but we don't video chat when we do this. We've never, this is episode eight. We've never <laughs> video chatted. <laughs> We've never even video chatted for one last thing. That's true. <laughs> you just really love video chatting. I do love video chatting. Which is okay. Seeing other people is always good. I FaceTimed with my friend for seven hours and 40 minutes the other day. Yep. <laughs> also feeling great. I know you don't care about this, but the new Carly Rae Jepsen album is out. Right. How was it? It's really good. Where would you rank it in like her discography? Probably excluding singles, like one-off singles. Okay. I would say it's probably third. Wow. Yeah. That's strong. Yeah. Given that she has a thousand albums. Have you heard any of those songs before uh, your first listen? Yes, one of them. I don't listen to leaked music because I'm just, you know, perfect. But <laughs> I two years ago, she posted that she was in the studio and she posted like while recording one of the songs. And I heard it and it's I've loved it ever since. And it is the first song on the album. It's called This Love Isn't Crazy. Oh, that does sound like a title of hers. Yeah. I think that's all that's going on in my life. Except that, oh, well, speaking of video chatting a while ago, we had a video chat, and you and I did, and we created a new video for our Patreon. Yes, we did. So everyone should go check that out on our Twitter or our Instagram and uh, see if it makes you want to donate. Absolutely. Also piggybacking off of your Carly stuff, we do have to celebrate that today is a very important day in music. Is it? Yeah, because today, I don't know if you've heard, but the Lady Gaga Ariana single dropped. It dropped and I haven't heard it yet? Well, it's it's Friday. It's Thursday. But it's Friday. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you mean... <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, it dropped today. <laughs> yeah, so everybody everybody, go listen to Rain On Me by Ariana and Gaga. It could break a lot of records this weekend, so it's definitely something to watch over the next few days. Yeah. <laughs> when you said, I don't listen to leaks, I was like, oh, I should bring up that that album, that, that single drops tomorrow. <laughs> <today>. <laughs> Wait, did Rain On Me leak? Okay, so the thing with Rain On Me is that it was, at least from my research... Correct me if I'm wrong, Gaga stands. From my research, it is a... So Rain On Me started as a cut sweetener song. Okay. And my... I have a theory about it. I've listened to the Ariana demo of it. And it has... Like, the hook of it is like, rain, rain, go away, come again, another day, blah, blah, blah. And my... I think maybe it was cut from sweetener because it was too similar to something about Seven Rings. Oh. Like, I, 
but those were two different albums at different times so like i don't know like that's just a theory i have anyway it was cut from sweetener and then sold through different writers to gaga and gaga rewrote the entire thing and then invited gaga to or invited ariana to come and be a part of it with her because it was like originally her song and then like and she had changed the meaning of the song and now it like meant something to the two of them. So that's that's like why the song is even happening. So I've heard the original demo. However, I've also heard maybe like 10 seconds, not even of the like the official rain on me. And they seem wildly different, like almost two completely different sounds. OK, um, so I I have no idea what to expect. I can't wait to listen to it today. <laughs> I do want everybody to know when they are listening to Rain On Me that if you listen to the song 15 times in a row, okay, your plays are not counted. They're considered spam. So when they do the calculations at the end of the weekend or at the end of the week to see like how successful the song was, like those plays will not count. So switch it up. Throw in another Gaga song in the middle of it throw like an ariana song if you want into it if you're trying to like help them out to hit all of these goals and stuff but that's that's all i need to say about rain on me okay (laughs) i just found out and i was like oh that's it i didn't know that i did know that actually because i follow (laughs) i follow an account called barb struggle tweets which is (laughs) so bad which is just screenshots of tweets where barbs are are like stupid (laughs) and there was i saw via that that people were trying to get nikki to number one and they had to like make playlists oh gotcha i mean it sucks because i definitely have been listening to stupid love on repeat for hours so i uh sorry gaga how are you what's going on in your life I'm good. I've decided I'm going to watch all of Love Island, <laughs> uh-huh. which is, I think, a huge undertaking because uh, uh, for those of you that don't know, there are 50 plus episodes of Love Island a season. Yes. So, and I've only seen one season so far. So I'm watching Love Island. I'm not still unpacking and doing stuff. I'm getting back into cooking, which is really fun. And I'm fully submerged in the Chromatica life. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Chromatica life. Yeah, I guess. Okay, so I guess we can start with like things that happened this week. Yeah, let's just get it out of the way. Ruby Rose is leaving Batwoman. Uh, Yeah, okay. So we've actually gotten a couple listeners have sent us articles about Ruby Rose leaving Batwoman or or (laughs) Batgirl or whatever it is. Batwoman? Bat. Uh, I don't know which one it is, actually. I think it I'm I think it might be Batwoman. But don't quote me. Batwoman. (laughs) That woman, great. Yeah. I have, uh, so I know that she's leaving. And I know that they're, they were renewed for a season two, but they have not started it yet. But I know nothing else about it. I just like genuinely did not read any of the articles. I was like, oh, wow. And just moved on. So basically a source. So who knows if it's real. Said. It's <laughs> the source is just Ruby Rose in a mask. <laughs> okay. I'm going to read the, what the source says. It wasn't 100% her decision. It was a breakup. She wasn't happy working on the show, and did that make her fun to work with? No. So everyone decided it would be in the best interests of the show and for all concerned if they parted ways. It just wasn't a good fit. 
According to an insider, Rose was <laughs> distressed by the long hours demanded of a lead TV role and did not acclimate well to life in Vancouver where the show shoots. And it was her first full-time series as opposed to just like guest starring. Right. I guess go ahead and say your opinion because it's your piece of news, but I, I kind of have like a, a strong opinion about it. No, if you have a strong opinion, go first. I have no opinion. <laughs> I just, that's all stuff that should have been discussed and dealt with before she signed onto a contract for something like this. Like, the CW has created its own superhero universe, and, like, there are so many crossovers and stuff, that that contract, not that I'm commenting, I guess I shouldn't bring up the contract, because I have no idea what the contract was, but, like, they took a huge risk in their universe that they built with hiring Ruby Rose, And not necessarily hiring Ruby Rose, but hiring anybody, because that person then has to be visible on every superhero platform because they have The Flash and they have Supergirl, if that's still a show that's running. Supergirl Um, is still running and people hate it. Wow. And this was going to kind of be like their next big step in the right direction. And so it's crazy to me that after completing one season and getting a second that they're like, oh, now we realize that maybe we made the wrong choice. Like, I feel like that's something that you kind of can't do. And, like, I understand that there are definitely ways out of it. Like, they could introduce a new Batwoman, and, like, like, they don't have to take all of the characters out to replace Ruby Rose. But, like, you knew Ruby Rose was not a capital A actress going into this. You knew that she had only done cameos in random movies and guest appearances on Orange is the New Black, which was a streaming show. Like, she's never had this kind of experience before. And, like, as an actor, like, you kind of just have to buckle up and do it. I would almost respect more if it was, like, the stress of, like, the fans or something, like, external to the show made her feel like she shouldn't do it anymore. Not just, like, oh, it's too hard. And, like, I'm too tired. Like, sorry, you're the star of a CW show. Cash your check and go home. I will say that in filming an episode of Batwoman, it says Ruby Rose has undergone emergency surgery after a serious injury left her at risk of being paralyzed. The Orange is the New Black star documented the experience, and to some viewers' horror, it it includes graphic video of her surgery. I'm clicking on the graphic video. Yikes. It says sensitive content. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) Is it is it bad? It's gross. What happened? It was just like a close up of the doctors it, with the things inside of her. But uh, hate that. I don't know. I'm still like. I mean, I still I, I still think that you're totally right. They should have prepared her better to be like you are the lead of a superhero franchise now. Yeah, and I mean, I guess that they caught it early. There's there must have been something else going on. That would have made the production company or like the production come out and be like, it was best for both sides for this to happen. Like, we're all good because of this now. Like, there's got to be something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, there's there's a lot of money riding on her face, especially if they've already been given a second season. I will say one of our listeners DM'd us and was like, I have a question. Why is Ruby Rose famous? And I had a hard time answering that. That's a really good question. As far as I can tell, she got, so she was a model. 
And then she got Orange is the New Black, and that made her really famous because the Orange is the New Black stands like, adopted her. Yeah. And after that, let me look at her Wikipedia. <laughs> like, I get that, like, that kind of spawned people into being like, oh, we can hire Ruby Rose. Like, she's super pretty. Guys will like her, but she's also, like, androgynous. So, like, the LGBTQ, like, she has, like, a wide audience just based on her look. Oh. So, like, what? She's really famous in Australia. I mean, that makes, she's Australian, right? Yeah. She came to attention as a presenter on MTV Australia, followed by several high-profile modeling gigs, notably as the face of Maybelline in Australia. She also co-hosted Australia's Next Top Model and The Project. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then it says she came to global attention for her role in season three of Orange is the New Black. And I mean, when we talked about Ruby Rose and this whole situation earlier in the week when it happened... We were kind of like, I mean, her career is kind of nowhere right now. Like, at least before, when she would show up on Orange is the New Black, people would go, like, nuts, being like, oh, my God, she's in that episode. And now it's kind of like her, like, I feel as if news about her has been stunted because everybody knows that she's just in Batwoman. And if you want to watch Ruby Rose and Batwoman, you, like, can just tune into it. There's no more, like, mystery or excitement about what she's doing. And I bet that that got to her. And then she was like, I'm spending so much time doing this. I can't do anything else that may have like broken her down with it. I wonder if she also like truly no offense to Ruby Rose, except I don't really like her. So maybe offense to Ruby Rose. But actually, yeah, you know what? Offense to Ruby Rose. Um, (laughs) I wonder if she realized that she's not a good actress. I hope that she does. I mean, I will say that like in the scale of models turned actors she's not as bad as some of them are but she's not an actress no not at all (laughs) i mean she's not an actress to the point where like her face only has one expression which is just like um calm (laughs) which is maybe also why she didn't really work in an action situation yeah she doesn't emote well definitely and i mean she was the same way on orange is the new black Piper would turn over and Ruby would just be like topless brushing her teeth and she'd be like having a shitty day, but she'd be like, Hey Piper. And everyone's like, Oh my God. (laughs) Okay. So we've gotten Ruby Rose out of the way. Okay. Do you want to go next or should I? Sure. I'll go next. So we all know that like Amazon is not necessarily the greatest thing in the world right now. Or ever, but yeah. And I hope that everybody, if they have the means to is not using Amazon at all or as much as they were. (laughs) However, I have an Amazon update that is crazy to me. Okay. Have you ever seen the movie God's Own Country? That was literally my next news story that I was going to share. Oh my God. This is the one that I texted you about earlier in the week. Oh. So God's Own Country, have you ever seen it? No. It's not good. Like it, I mean, I wouldn't say it's bad. But it's very boring. It's very much like uh, an international, like, indie movie where you sit and you, like, watch the grass grow for 90 minutes. Yeah. It's basically about, like, these two guys in, I think they're in, like, Ireland. Like, this is all, I watched the movie years ago. So this is all just, like, recollection. None of this is fact. (laughs) They're, like, two, like, farmhands that, like, fall in love. It's very Brokeback Mountain, but they're younger. They're probably, like, in their early or mid-20s. And there are some, like, really raunchy sex scenes. There's no nudity, but it's, like, oh, like, we're... It's very, like, hidden. 
and very immediate and it's kind of like hot. But Amazon Prime, note I said Amazon Prime, has cut out the sex scenes from the rental on Amazon Prime Video. And people notice that if you buy the full movie, the sex scenes are in there, but like the Amazon like Prime Video version of it They've been taken out and no one really knows why. So then the director, Francis Lee, said, Dear friends in the USA, God's own country appears to have been censored on at Prime Video, Amazon Prime. And until this is investigated, please do not rent or buy Amazon Prime. It's not the film I intended or made. I will report back part. And that was on the 19th. It's now the 22nd and nothing has happened. Like it's that's still. Not, that's not the case. Something has oh, it's happened. it's not? <gasps> yeah. Oh, what happened? On May 20th, the next day, Francis Lee tweeted, Dear USA friends, after investigation, God's Own Country was not censored by Amazon, but by the U.S. distributor Goldwyn Films, who butchered the streaming version without consultation to get more revenue. Prime Video were incredibly supportive in rectifying. The rental version of God's Own Country on Prime Video is the correct version of my film. I would like to thank Amazon Prime for being supportive, and I would caution any filmmaker of working with the aforementioned distributor. Thank you, everyone, for your support. Wow. Interesting. Well, still mad at Amazon, but I'm glad that it wasn't them necessarily that did that. Yeah. The th- I, I guess the thing that is confusing to me about it, no matter who did it, is that the sex scenes are not... Like, if I was a teenager and wanted to jerk off to a movie, this would not be the movie that I would do that to. <laughs> like, there's no... Like, there's no... I mean, yes, it's a very sensual movie in that it's, like, two guys, like, shoveling dirt. <laughs> right. But but there's no sort of, like, sexual um, intensity to anything. I, and it's also an older... I mean, it's... It, like, it's an older movie, so I can't imagine why a studio would be like, oh, you know what we should do? Re-edit that gay, like, sheet movie that we did. <laughs> Because there are so many people watching it right now. Yeah. It also came out like three years ago. Yeah. Like it's not. It's so weird. I don't understand why this is a thing that that keeps happening. Because we also saw it with. What was that show? Uh, we saw it with Booksmart. Where yeah, they Booksmart. took the lesbian sex scenes out because of whatever reasons. Like I don't understand why companies decide. Whether they're the production studio or not. But why they decide to re-edit films in order to like get a bigger to get a wider audience like don't show the movie pick a different movie yeah yeah and it's like if the movie was in theaters one way why are you going to make a new version of it once it's out of theaters and you think that's going to get more people especially when this is not a new thing i feel like every time people notice that a movie has been recut it's immediately noticed and then within a couple of days or weeks like it gets fixed and changed and back is back to normal so it, I guess it just goes to show like how ridiculous the people with money can be when it comes to actual like artistic expression. Yeah. Shitty, shitty, shitty. So I guess everybody goes support <laughs> um, God's Own Country. But if you can do it without also supporting Amazon, that would be great. I'll go next because I have some breaking news. Okay. Which is that a musical version of Smash is coming to Broadway. When? They don't know yet, but I mean, obviously everything on Broadway is sort of up in the air right now. It says it's in active development and awaiting production dates. Here's what I'll say. I will believe it 
when we sit down to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like the Cats movie. Yeah. Like, I... Sounds good. <laughs> I mean, yes, that's not the version of the stage production that I would want. Because people didn't love Smash for the plot lines. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, And unless it's a stage adaptation of the show like I don't care what new stories they have to tell and the music for Smash is so good that I don't want to hear new music or anything like that if that's the direction that they go with it I genuinely want to see Bombshell and yeah like, me too I know that they had a lot of problems with it because they created a show that is impossible to stage but you know they've had what 1100 years to think about it so <sighs> I would rather a season three I would rather a season three me too. I would rather, even if they went back and they did the season three that they had originally planned on doing, I still would watch it. Me too. So, but I guess I'll take what I can get. What did you think of the Smash reunion? Um, I didn't love it. It sort of, I haven't watched any of those reunions. Smash was the first one I watched. And it reminded me why I don't watch those reunions. Because there's just like, there's always this awkward vibe and it always sort of like no one knows what to say or how to share the screen. And I like, let me say, Julie Klausner is like one of my favorite people ever, but she did not do a good job moderating. No, she was so weird. Yeah. In like in like in an uncomfortable way, not in like a fun way. Yeah. And but the concert I loved. The concert I loved. I wish that. I had texted you right before we had watched it and I was, or right before you watched it because I was watching it later and I was like, let me know if they film it or if they filmed it or if it just B-roll. And it ended up just being the B-roll. And the only, the only way that I could recognize it is the sound was not recorded to be like properly listened to. Interesting. Like, like there were a lot of times where you could only really hear the singers. You couldn't really hear the band or a lot of times where they were like blowing the mics out. And it wasn't the mics. It was just because they were not filming it for it to be released. And if you remember, after they did the concert, people were like, release the video that you like did for the B-roll. And everybody was like, no, because of everybody's contract, we can't release it. Like there were a lot of actors that were in the show whose contract did not al allow the like it to be sold or released or anything like that. And that's why it hadn't been released earlier. And I guess everybody went back on it now because of COVID. So I was like, oh, I wish that like it was a proper concert that they had recorded that I can then like listen to and be like, wow, this is what they sound like. But also, you know what? Some of them didn't sound so hot. Yeah. But it really goes to show that like the theater performers that they hired like really pulled it off. Like the, they were really doing a musical a week and I never really thought about it that way. Yeah. When they talked about in the reunion, when they talked about how there was like a new song every week, and so they had to record a new song every week, I had never thought about that. And I think that's really cool. I When they said that, I was like, girl, sometimes there was more than one song. Yeah. One of my favorite parts of Smash that we never got to see on Glee, because I guess cinematically it's not very interesting, but to me it is, is that Smash was never afraid to show you the same song five times. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, remember National Pastime from the pilot? Like, we're still do working on that song because the show isn't open yet. So you might not get the full four-minute version, but you're going to hear, like, a solid 90 seconds of that song again. Yeah, I really liked that about Smash, too. 
Yeah, and like there was that one song, uh, "Never Give All the Heart." Yes, and you and you hear that song like three or four times through the entire series, but it's done differently every time because it, it that song like they keep workshopping that song differently. And I was like, "Fuck!" Like this show was really good. And when they talk about it in the reunion, where they're like, the writers had to write songs that not only fit into the musical and into Marilyn's world, but also had to fit into the like plot and politics of what was going on with the characters and it all yeah. had to mesh seamlessly and I was like fuck I like never really realized that yeah me neither and then like like on Lexington and 52nd Street can be like a Joe DiMaggio Maryland thing but it also like the actual lyrics could be applied to Will Chase's and Deborah's plot line in it and I was like wow th- like this show was really like pushing the envelope for NBC yeah even though it was okay <laughs> <laughs> I do think speaking of Julie when she's like as somebody who created a cult classic show and I screamed on my couch because I as soon as she says it or as soon as she said that I was like what show and then realized that she was talking about difficult people which you and I both watched and loved yeah and I was like I wouldn't consider that a cult classic I would consider it a show that was weird and fun that was on Hulu. Oh, I think it's definitely a cult classic because no one watched it when it was on. I mean, that's true, but still no one watched it. Like, no one watches it. No one really talks about it anymore. Like, it's kind of, like, gone and done with. Oh, clearly you don't follow Julie Klausner on Twitter. Oh, I don't. (laughs) Because people are always tweeting at her about difficult people. Really? That's shocking to me. And she sometimes posts Instagram DMs of people being like, so when season three? And she's like, there's not season three. Whoa, I stand corrected. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I love that show as, ne- as much as the next person. And if they did do it the third season, I would definitely watch it. But wow, okay. Little did you know, sometimes it pays to follow people on Twitter. Uh, don't follow me on Twitter because I don't use it. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that Megan Hilty was really great in the reunion, though. I think she was really well-spoken. I think she sounded really good in the concert i I think think she's perfect yeah she can do little to no wrong in my mind (laughs) megan hilty could say fag and i'd be like yeah (laughs) but here's the thing we love her because she never would absolutely ivy might but megan never would oh ivy absolutely would (laughs) (laughs) i also would love a third season of smash because i would love to see what they did with the characters now that they know what didn't work Like, I feel like if they did do a third season, it would be bigger and better than anything they had given us beforehand. Also, can we talk just for one second about Ellis? I know. Why was he there? I have no idea. I felt really bad for Jeremy and Anthony or and Andy because, granted, they were not that when I think of Smash, I don't think about them. Like yeah. Hit List is a, is a very separate part of Smash for me. But I was like, no one fucking likes Ellis. And I don't want to hear you talk about people not liking your character and how you're okay with it. We didn't like your character, not because he was annoying. He was a bad, he was a poorly written character and it was also a poorly executed character. Whether that's the acting, the directing, the editing, like I don't care. But I was like, why no one wants you here. Now granted, if that actor is in other things, I won't not support him. I'm not, I like if you're listening, I'm not saying like, go fuck yourself at all. Like that, that's not what I'm doing. Saying that like, nobody cares about Ellis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then I felt bad that he took up a lot of screen time and then Andy got to say one thing yeah when Andy has the major arc of season two yeah 
I also was surprised that Jeremy really didn't say too much. But at the same time, they were also coming into a show that was like on its last leg. Yeah. I was also surprised that they didn't talk about any of the guest stars that they had. Like Bernadette Peters, Uma Thurman, basically the cast, the surviving members of Rent. Like I. (laughs) (laughs) Carolee Carmelo. Yeah. Liza Minnelli. Like I, like I, I would, the things that they talked about, I was like, none of what you're saying is actually interesting to anybody that's watching. Yeah. Except for Megan. And I'm, and Catherine McPhee is on another planet and I love her so much. She's just, you know what? She's, she's something. When she was like, I don't know if you've seen my Twitter or Instagram. I was like, girl, we've seen it. Yeah, we get it. (laughs) (laughs) It's impossible not to have seen it. (laughs) And if you don't know what we're talking about, do yourself a favor and just watch Smash on Hulu. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, is it on Hulu? I thought it was. It should be. Yeah, it's not on Hulu. I'm looking right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, it's on NBC for free. Oh, okay. So I guess... Head to NBC.com and watch it for free or download the <laughs> app or whatever. <laughs> Next, I have an update on Ellen Watch 2020. Okay. So Ellen apparently is not doing very well emotionally. Right. And insiders to Ellen's life have said that she's at the end of her rope, that she thought that this was all sour grapes from a few haters, but it's proving to be not a passing thing and it just keeps coming this is off after i think last week or the week before we talked about her security guard coming forward yeah and since apparently a lot of ellen's or sorry not a lot several of ellen's former employees have come forward after the security guard did oh so apparently ellen is just sitting in her you know multi-million dollar house not doing very well, but she has Portia and Portia is taking care of her, which we still love Portia and better off Ted should be revived. Yes, absolutely. Immediately. (laughs) Yeah. Another insider said, Ellen is so grateful to have Portia in her life as a soulmate and also a sounding board, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. Their home life is strained right now. Her real friends never ask her to be funny or tell jokes. They accept her as she is. Ellen has been in our homes for so long It'll take more than a bodyguard and a blogger to change how people feel about her. Her best response is just being happy Ellen on the show every day. Which, okay, I 100% understand and accept everything that that insider is saying. However, I think that if somebody calls you mean, you can't say, no, I'm not. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And especially somebody who ends every single episode of every season of their award-winning groundbreaking talk show by saying be kind to one another oh i didn't know that that's oh yeah that's that's ellen's thing like at the end of the show it will cut back and ellen will say like thanks for thanks for tuning in we'll see you all next week and remember be kind to one another and like every single episode from day one so it like it bugs me that that's the response that Ellen's getting instead of being like, oh my God, like I didn't realize, I didn't think any people, anybody wanted me to be. And, and it's not, sorry, I just jumped trains of thought, but it's not, it's not that the security guard needs Ellen to tell him a joke every time that they get in the car. Right. And, that, and that's not what the security guard was even saying. The security guard was, was saying. saying that. Yeah. They're saying that she's cold 
is like way too to herself and like treats them as if she's way above them. And that's not what they want. The security guard wants a smile or like some sort of recognition of like, hey, like, thanks for doing this thing for me. Um, And I and I mean, you know, as well as I do, there are a lot of celebrities out there that do act like that behind the scenes when a camera isn't in front of their face. Yeah. Like sucks to suck, but you can't preach kindness and then not do it. (laughs) I was not mad about this whole topic with Ellen this year until this week, I think. Because now I'm like, now you're turning something that that could have been just a small little argument into like a childish situation. Yeah, the best thing she could do would be to come out and be like, I'm sorry, I didn't realize I was acting this way and I'm going to change. Yeah, like, I mean, you know me, I don't like coming to people's defense, but I do like playing devil's advocate sometimes. So like, I can totally see her being like, you know what, like when I'm at work, I'm a businesswoman and I'm trying to get my show done as an executive producer and I'm trying to do all of these things. And she does have her hands in a lot of different pots. However, there's a huge distinction between somebody like that and the people that have the status that she has. The, the kind of people that have that kind of status are the kind of people when they pass on, people remember them as being like, wow, an incredible talent, but also such a wonderful, wonderful person. Her friends were amazing. She brought so much kindness and good to the world. And Ellen seems to think that she can get away with doing that just in front of the camera. And that doesn't make you a good person. Yeah. I'm not saying that she's a bad person, but I'm saying that she's not really doing a good job of proving herself otherwise. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. It's it's telling that a bodyguard came forward and was like, she doesn't treat her staff like people. And then she wouldn't even consider that as true. Mm-hmm. It's like, Ellen, that just shows that you actually don't think of them as valid. Absolutely. That you think like, oh, it's just it's just a bodyguard who's mad because I because I didn't tell him a joke. And it's like, no, if you actually listen to what he's saying, if you actually cared about what he's saying, you would like take it to heart. At l- one million percent. Oh, my God. Wait, wait. Pause. Found an article that says Eric Schiffer, celebrity brand expert, claims Ellen DeGeneres is running a giant fraud amid al- alleged rumors. What? Breaking news. This is from hours ago. Oh, we love breaking news on this show. He basically gave an interview saying that all of those things are true and that she is pretty cold and distant and not very nice and that he apparently has a lot of friends in her inner circle and that like ev- all of these allegations are true and that he predicts that we will see her ratings drop over time. But At the end of his interview, he said something that I think is interesting. He said, I suspect that you're going to see her star continue to get hammered because of her character choices, but it's going to require her to look in the mirror and decide to humble herself. And she's got, from all the insiders I know, one of the single biggest egos in Hollywood. I believe it. Me too. I mean, it's partially deserved, but I, 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 yeah. So I guess... This really is turning into a week-by-week Ellen watch. Yeah. What if Ellen gets, like, her show taken away? I know she won't ever. If Ellen gets her show taken away, I promise right now to all of our listeners that Jay and I will work endlessly to cut together every time that we've talked about Ellen (laughs) in the history of One More Thing to prove to everybody that we 
can see the future because this would be one of one million things that we have talked about on the podcast that have them been manifested in real life. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so I have one last piece of news. Okay. One last thing, if you will. Oh my God. Have you seen the clip of Kate Blanchett saying I'm a lesbian? Uh-huh. <laughs> I think it is the funniest thing in the world. Kate Blanchett and Sarah Paulson were doing an Instagram live to talk about Mrs. America, I think. Have you seen any of it yet? No. Me neither. I do plan on starting it, but I'm I don't. <laughs> it's just not my type of show. In the Instagram live, all of a sudden this occurred. We now we know the secret to never CBD oil. You're a lesbian? Oh. Which, if you can't tell, is Kate Blanchett reading a I think I think what happened is that she read a comment that said you are a lesbian and she read it aloud and was being like, I am a lesbian, but she said it as a, such a declarative statement. And then Sarah goes, You're a lesbian? <laughs> And Sarah's face when she says it is hilarious. And then Kate goes, apparently, and Sarah goes, oh, and that's the end. <laughs> and then they never reference it again for the rest of the live video. Oh, my God. I love them so much. Me too. I mean, you know, I have conflicted feelings about Kate Blanchett, but that clip makes me love her. Absolutely. It makes me feel like I need to watch Carol. Oh, me too. I would love to just be sitting here with the Carol soundtrack playing in the background. Uh, me too. Maybe I'll put it on while I edit. Oh, wow. Well, we love Sarah Paulson. We do. Speaking of, I guess, TV shows, I guess it's time for us to talk about what we watched. Yeah. So we watched Trial by Media. I only watched the episode about the Jenny Jones murder. And I watched everything but the finale. I still haven't watched it yet. You're busy with Love Island. I thought, you know, not being able to judge the show by multiple episodes, just judging by that one episode, I thought it was really good. Me too. I got really... I got really into it. And I I will say that like the the weird thing about it is that the first episode, the Jenny Jones show episode that we're going to talk about was maybe my least favorite episode in comparison to the whole show. It just is the only thing. It's the only case that they talk about where the outcome of the case was not necessarily affected by the literal media, where all of the other cases are like, this case was going fine until like this news studio did this and then the general public was swayed where this is more of a a, this terrible crime happened and everybody was like who's to blame like do we blame the media do we blame jenny jones do we blame the actual like and i was like that's a very interesting way to do it and think about it and i a lot of the questions that they asked in the episode i was like that's a really good question Oh, definitely. Yeah, I thought a lot of it. I was very conflicted about a lot of it. And I see what you mean, because you've described to me some of the other episodes, and it does sound like they're more about the media swaying the courtroom and not the courtroom being involved with the media. But I thought the Jenny Jones thing, I w- it, it, that makes me not want to watch the rest of the series, because I would have liked to keep watching episodes like the Jenny Jones one. Yeah, I would say the rest of the season is more like the musical Chicago got it where like there's an episode later where it's like this guy literally manipulates the way that the public looks at him so that his sentencing is different and then he ends up like getting off scot-free for doing all of these terrible things and so it's more about like how the media reciprocate like there's one episode that literally starts the Black Lives Matter movement because of the way that people listened and watched this certain case go and it ever i mean every episode d- 
dealt with a different aspect of media. But yeah, the first episode almost feels like very different than the rest of the season. But it was nonetheless interesting. I was still very into it. And I still don't know really who's at fault. Me neither. I will say that I don't think that it's something that should be only held to Jenny Jones because we see the same kind of things happen on Jerry Springer and even on some of these like court, like daytime courtroom shows. Yeah. Like the, the outcome, the very tragic outcome of what happens with the people involved in that episode could be applied to literally any other situation. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because you look at TV now and like that is still happening. The kind of thing that happened on the Jenny Jones show and the Jenny Jones show ran until 2003. Like it ran for a lot for like eight more years. And so it's sort of like there was a chance in that case for people to sort of be like, no, this is not how TV should be. We like we should not be exposed like exposing people's lives on TV, and then no one took that opportunity, and it now we have like The Bachelor and The Housewives and Vanderpump Rules and like everything like that and Love Island. But there's it's sort of interesting that there's like a direct line between what happened and those shows. And I do think that one of the things that the docu series didn't really get into, which I w- I won't hold it against them because it's such a deep topic. But I think a lot of it is rooted in homophobia because you look at these kinds of shows and you see people who is where it's like a pregnant woman and there are two possible fathers and the the DNA results are read live on air and you get to see like the reaction of of the two guys. Like there's a lot of that and none of that was really held to any sort of no no TV show was really held accountable for any of those things, but it was only when there was not only, I guess, a murder, but also gay men involved where they were like, oh, is this even something we want to see on TV? Yeah. And there was that moment in the trial where the dad was on the stand, the dad of the killer. And he was like, well, how would you feel if someone thought you were homosexual? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that first of all, horrible. Second of all, that feels like the crux of the case. Yeah, and, and and you you have to also remember that like that like TV was different back then. Like TV was TV was essentially the only source of news besides like reading the newspaper. So yeah. if you were out, so if that guy went, so say I kind of had like so many feelings, and I don't even know how to put it into words. Like the I understand the straight guy feeling nervous because people could look at him as gay, especially if he actually was closeted and like dealing with whatever it was. And like that whole like side plot that they only sort of bring up towards the end. Yeah. Um, That like, I can totally, totally see how he's like, people will now look at me like this. And like, this is what I will be known for. I, I think that both parties being the two guys were definitely at fault for what happened. I think the show is sort of at fault. Not necess- I don't think that they did anything wrong in the day, but I think that they set up the whole situation incorrectly. Like, even when they had that one producer on the stand where they were like, do you feel like you were doing X, Y, Z? She was like, no. And I was like, she's right. She did not feel like she was doing any of that. However, they should have had a lot of conversations before they even started doing these things. But I guess until these sorts of incidents happen, no one really 
thinks that far. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about TV in 1995, but I think that's why now TV shows have lawyers involved with the creation of the TV show. Oh, yeah, I bet. Also, can we talk about how Jenny Jones on the stand is iconic? Yeah. Loved her. She's great. I loved how she was. Oh, my God. And the lawyer was just like perfect. Like the scene where when he kind of fails the first day and then he goes in the next day and starts the conversation. And then it's like, oh, yeah. And like flips it on her. I was like, fuck, this is good. Yeah, I loved that lawyer. For anybody that didn't watch the rest of the season, almost every episode has a kind kind of like star celebrity lawyer where it's like, (laughs) like you almost imagine like a gunslinging like sheriff walking into town being like i've never lost a case and i have a plan for everything like tyler perry and gone girl yes exactly <laughs> and some of the lawyers in the later episodes get really into it like one of them fully creates a, a whole plan they like they manipulate the audience's view of the case by taking down everybody around the actual person that did something wrong so that everybody thinks that it was everybody else but not this guy and they like succeed in doing it and he calls it like the cat and the mouse and on the day of the court case he wears a tie that has cats and mice on it oh my god <laughs> i was like these lawyers are on a ne- on another level well that's another thing about like the whole media aspect is that most court cases just have normal boring lawyers high profile media cases always seem to have like a a wacky impressive like Tyler Perry and Gone Girl lawyer it just is interesting that if you're in court for murdering someone but it's involving pe- people no one has ever heard of or like there's no celebrity aspect you just get like a state appointed lawyer or you buy a lawyer and your lawyer is just like a normal classic person but if you are in like a highly publicized case you sort of have to have one of those showboaty lawyers because otherwise you're gonna lose yeah i do have sort of a on the spot question for you okay that i don't even know if i know my answer to but how do you as a podcaster who essentially is part of the media when you really think about it like how do you view the episode from that perspective that's interesting i mean i don't think we would ever do the sort of gotcha stuff that the whole episode is about just because we're not that kind of podcast but i think i don't know if that case was happening now we would definitely be covering it oh absolutely but also if it was happening now it would definitely be a very different case i think at the like news media was definitely the reporters covering the case it's hard because in that episode the the like media surrounding the case was not a big thing. Mm-hmm. They talked about it and it clearly there was a lot of attention put on it, but they didn't talk about how that affected the trial itself. Right. I guess I'm starting to think that like we as podcasters, at least with this podcast, I don't want to speak for all podcasters, but like I feel like podcasting is more opinion based than like news bulletin based. Definitely. Because it's not a lot, like, no one hosts a live radio podcast. That's just a radio show. Yeah. Um, So I guess when you're, when when you do think about podcasts, you're more listening to, like, op-eds about things. Definitely. But, like, I guess that works for and against cases like that. Like, if, if we were covering that case today, our opinion, or a podcast's opinion, for that matter, would potentially sway people's opinion about those cases like even talking about like us with ellen while there's no case there and nothing that she's doing is necessarily criminal but like 
we, even in this episode, shared our opinion about Ellen. And if you believe it, great. And if not, great. But it does sway your opinion, even if you don't realize that. And I, I don't think that that makes it our or a podcaster's fault for the audience of a case to suddenly have a new perspective. I think that that's almost a podcaster or a journalist or a, or whoever. It's almost like their job. Like, yeah. Even when we set out to do the podcast, we were like, we want to bring our perspective on things because I don't because we didn't think that other people saw things the same way that we did. That kind of reminds me of. Do you know the podcast My Favorite Murder? Oh, absolutely. There's like a lot of controversy about it because people are. I've never listened to it, but I've encountered its fans on Twitter and it sort of gives some fans not all fans a very like let's investigate this crime and not like really paying attention to the not having respect for like the family of the victim or like the family of the accused and just harassing them to be like we want to know about this case because whatever the my favorite murder ladies told us to Karen is that right I don't know right and not all of us can be serial right exactly and I think that that's that's also another topic that like should be talked about. Like not not everybody deserves or should have the platform to share their opinion. Agreed. And I think that that's sort of where our country is headed right now. Wow, this is turning into a deeper conversation than I anticipated it being. But I feel like over the especially the last four years, but the last you know year at least, people are really taking note on who they're getting their information from, how much of it is fact based, where like who are the sources, where is the information even coming from from the start of it, and like that is something that everybody's I feel like becoming a little more conscious of right now. Oh, definitely. Like, you know, a lot of parents are realizing that they get their news from Facebook and Facebook is not a reliable source of information. Right. And a lot of we're not a reliable source of information. (laughs) But also a lot of people are not realizing that they get their information from a skewed perspective, reliable, unreliable source. And I do think that having a like one source of of news being like, you know what, this is where I'm going to get my information from, I trust it, like, great. I have those things. I know you have those things, those outlets. And I think that that's okay. And that's not what we're getting at. Like, I think it's just important to be like, okay, that's who I want to get my news from. Is that who I should be getting my news from? Yeah. And it's not necessarily like, I don't like their opinion. So you shouldn't be getting it. It's definitely more of the, is this somebody who is safe for me to let sway my own opinion? Yeah, and someone who is reliable and fact-based. Yeah, that I can then walk into any room and be like, you know what? Megan Smith told me that X, Y, Z, and I side with her now. And then, and I feel like that's kind of taken advantage of in a lot of situations. And this episode is surely, or not necessarily this episode, but the show overall is kind of opening up those doors. And I didn't really consider that until right now. Yeah. Wow. That was a deep talk. Yeah. I, also, I do, I do think that when I said not everybody should be serial, what I mean is I feel like Trial by Media, because it was done by Netflix and a lot of the people involved with the case were involved with the creation of the show one of the in one of the interviews in a later episode they're about to say a cuss word and they say can i say that on netflix like oh that's people... in that's in the first episode 
oh, okay, good. These people know exactly what they're doing and what they're signing up for and what they're saying. And it's their fresh opinion. But I do think that like people that are like, oh, my favorite crime podcast said that this random crime is still unsolved. And now I feel like I have all the information because I listened to this podcast. I'm going to go solve the case. Like that's not something that people should be doing. But no, but I know what you mean. You and I both listened to the first season of Serial. I definitely at the end of season one was like, I you know what? I should probably look up some more like I still have some questions about this case. Like I'm gonna do my own sleuthing, but you know what? I'm gonna keep that to myself. I, I also was like, ooh, I I gotta like learn some more about this case, but I wasn't gonna be like, and now let me call the guy from Serial who's in prison and be like, hey, yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Exactly. I guess Trialway Media is a good show for this age. It's definitely a good show for this age. I mean, I can't and... speak for the whole show, but just the first <laughs> right. episode. I will say like some of the episodes are like kind of slow, but if it does get a second season, I think that that is very well earned. Let me see if it is getting a second season. I don't think it is. Oh, maybe it was just like a mini series. It was, it, it was a mini series, but because everybody's watching it, they're like talking about it, but they don't know. Oh, another thing that I did like about the show is at least until the finale, it wasn't like the OJ murder. <laughs> like nothing was like a huge celebrity case. I mean, granted, it was the Jenny Jones show, but I had truly never heard about that until watching it. Yeah. Maybe it's just because it's dated and maybe that's the good thing that's happening right now with docuseries is like, it's able to dig up all of these things that like maybe my parents vaguely remember in the nineties, but I was like, what, three, four. My mom like strongly remembers it. Oh, wow. I was like, Oh, I'm doing, we're watching trial by media and it's this case about this guy. And she was like the Jenny Jones show. And I was like, Oh yes. And I guess just talking about the episode specifically, like the nineties were a huge era for daytime talk shows yeah oh yeah and so i can't even imagine because basically what happens in that episode is like everybody's entertainment is questioned yeah and i think this is in the first episode but i can't remember there's like the guy that's like you know usually i go home and i watch my soaps but instead i've just been following the trial oh that's not in the first episode okay in a, in a later episode this guy literally is like I get the same energy and feeling in my body from what from following this case on TV than I do watching my soaps and and I think that that's where I compare it to things like the musical Chicago yeah that makes sense so what a good watch especially after I especially I haven't liked the last like two or two things that we watched or whatever it was that was, that was like a nice <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> that was like a, a nice way to spend the week. And by week, I mean the day that I watched all of it. So next week. Next week, we have, we're doing something interesting, I think. So next week, we're doing something a little bit interesting. We are going to be watching Hannah Gadsby's new special, Douglas. It comes out on Tuesday on Netflix, so you'll have a couple days to watch it. It's interesting because I have not seen Nanette and Robert has seen Nanette. So we're going to be coming at it from two different perspectives. You know what? I hope that you are then inspired to watch Nanette because I do think that Nanette is like a wonderful piece. We'll see. But have you, you've been, you saw Hannah Gatsby on that award show that she presented on. The Oscars. Yeah. No, yeah. The, you know, the Emmys. Oh yeah. That one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested. I know, I know nothing about Douglas. I tried to get tickets to it in New York when she came here and I couldn't, it like sold out too quickly. Yeah. And 
the Netflix description of it is so good. It says, Hannah Gatsby returns for her second special and digs deep into the complexities of popularity, identity, and her most unusual dog park encounter. Oh. So can't wait. I can't wait to learn who Hannah Gatsby is. As of right now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that she's in my top three favorite lesbians right now. Who are the other two? I'd say Ellen Page, Hannah Gatsby, and Kristen Stewart. Wow, I didn't make the list. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. You're you're in the top five, don't worry. Okay, great. (laughs) Oh, big laugh from me. You're right, though. I'm like a big fan of hers. Like I've seen her TED talks. I've seen her her other spe- like her other stand up. Like I I'm a big fan. Yeah. So we'll see we'll see how it goes. I guess we'll see you next week. Wait. Remember, what? remember, you can support us. We keep forgetting to say this. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com/slash one more thing. And if you don't want to give us a monthly donation, we have a PayPal, which is just one more thing. Yep. So- and you can always. Follow us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at One More Thing. And you know what? We've done all these quarantine episodes and have not thanked Abby Davis for the artwork. Oh, my God. That I've mutilated on Instagram with a mask. I hope everybody, I hope David, our PA, and Abby are doing very well in their quarantines. And, you know, I hope your mom's doing well. And I hope everybody's okay. Yeah, I hope everyone's doing well. Yeah. See everybody next week. And that's all for now. All right. Bye. Bye.